0: Thank you for listening to this podcast by Stowe Presbyterian Church. This message was given by a special guest speaker.
1: Did you know that Jesus' family went on vacation? So when you think of your childhood vacations, what do you think of? Do you remember, like, long car rides, no air conditioning, five kids in the back seat? Do you remember the station wagons where you could sit backwards? Those were, like, the best, right? Like, you could see the traffic and wave to everybody and no obscene gestures or anything. Do you remember... Um, when you were there, were you going to the same place every year? Was it something similar every year? You always go to the same place? Was it something different every year? Or did you not have vacations growing up? My dad tells me there was no money for vacations. They never took a vacation. Um, they could barely afford food. A vacation was completely um, not even an option. What about now? So, when you go on vacation, do you go to church? Or do you just say, forget it, <laughs> we're on vacation? no church for us, you don't need to go? Or is it a part of your routine and you seek out those opportunities? You seek out the opportunities to worship. Do you go traditionally to like grandma and grandpa's and you go to church with them at their church? Have you been someplace where you've heard about the pastor um, or the church, like a big name kind of church, and, and you wanted to take advantage of that opportunity so that you could worship in that environment and to have that experience? Or is it just too much to think about in an already packed agenda? Let's hear what the Christian comedian John Christ has to say about finding church to attend when you're on vacation. If you don't know John Christ, he's really funny, um, and we who went to Alive the last couple of years have gotten to see him live, um, and it's been a lot of fun.
0: All right, Sunday morning, we gotta find a church to go to. It should
2: be easy, there are a bunch when we are driving
0: Seems down. like there was one on every block. It can't be that hard, right? They're everywhere. still in the parking lot.
2: You know I worry. Okay.
0: Okay. Here's one up here. Listen. Church, church of church Jesus Christ, Christ. That's us. A Latter-day up. Saints. Uh, okay. No. Can't do that. Okay. Here we go. Right here.
2: Oh, I love the funny church signs. does that say? What is
0: it? Uh, choose the bread of life or your toast.
2: Mm, oh. No. What? I'm gluten-free. I can't go there. Okay. Is that Echo Church?
0: I don't, uh, the churches with the nightclub names. I don't love those.
2: Plus we're a new creation, and we both came out of that lifestyle. Yes. Raise them, raise them. Okay. What about that one? United Pentecostal Church. Okay.
0: Well, you're not getting in there. You're wearing pants, so for sure no. Oh,
2: I forgot my long denim skirt. You're right.
0: Plus you're wearing too much makeup. What? No, for the denomination they got a thing about women and makeup I and don't stuff. I think they do. No, you look great. I'm just saying it's not just for to the, for there. Yeah. You should stop talking.
2: Oh, is that Iglesia de Cristo?
0: Really, with the accent? Let's not do this.
2: I've been using Rosetta Stone. You
0: don't speak Spanish. We're not going to a Spanish-speaking church.
2: I kind of speak Spanish you don't? Well, I like traditional. I like okay. neutrals.
0: Got it. Yep. I don't want
2: something too progressive. Sure. I don't like steeples, but I also don't like strip malls. Okay,
0: so like something in the middle.
2: Okay, potential church? Yeah, maybe next year. Okay.
0: You didn't get the joke.
2: It's not funny. Okay.
0: All right, here we go. Barnabas Anglican Church.
2: Anglican? Can we Oh, do that? and it looks like they have a female pastor. Uh. Really?
0: No, I'm just saying I'd rather not. Do That's you want to all... sleep on
2: the couch tonight?
0: I'm... Babe, this is way harder than I thought, honestly.
2: I know, we're in a city. There's gotta be an Andy Stanley satellite church somewhere.
0: I mean, right, if not, there's probably one coming soon. I'm sure
2: they've already got a building fund. Wow. Okay, Ebenezer Baptist Tabernacle.
0: Uh, is that a black church? What? I'm just saying, you wouldn't last in there. All the dancing and moving, Ebenezer Baptist Tabernacle. You can't even clap on rhythm at the white church, okay? okay
2: I watch The Potter's House, first of all. Second of all, I love T.D. Jakes, and I follow his daughter on Instagram. Okay. Oh, what about Kingdom Hall of Jehovah's Witnesses? I
0: don't know how it works there with visitors. Can we just walk in, or do we have to knock first? That was dumb. Come on, that's hilarious!
2: Cathedral of St. Peter?
0: I don't know, is that is that Catholic?
2: I don't know, how can you tell? I
0: don't know, with the Catholic Church, you always do look for the keywords saint, perpetual, sacred heart, anything Guadalupe related, if we're not in Mexico, for me is a no go.
2: Well, what about like a mega church?
0: I don't want like a mega church. I'm out on any church that has like cops directing okay, traffic.
2: hands on the wheel. Please.
0: It has cops directing traffic. I'm out. It's going to take forever to get to lunch. Okay, you're right. All right, here we go. Look, New Hope, Church of God. We can do that, right?
2: Church of God. Is that the one with no instruments?
0: I think, uh, is that Church of Christ?
2: Oh, no, it's Church of Christ. I grew up Church of Christ. So we couldn't even wear tank tops. No thanks.
0: Okay, great voices though. Great acapella. I'd still rather go.
2: Oh, Jericho's House of Praise.
0: What are we just going to drive around it seven times? Maybe then we'll decide. What? It's a joke. I'm good. Well. Read your Bible.
2: Okay. What about this tabernacle?
0: Okay. As a general, rule, tabernacles, cathedrals, temples, synagogues are all out.
2: At least a synagogue would have a yarmulke to put on that hair. Okay. Oh, here we go. Is that Hillsong? Thank
0: you. Lead me to the cross. <laughs> this is perfect. Let's go. Oh, babe, we're on vacation. I didn't bring my
2: skinny jeans. We can't go to Hillsong. Yeah, but song? those have holes in them. They look fine. What? No. I... Definitely can't wear that Tommy Hilfiger shirt. What do you have on underneath What's that? This? I wear it to the office. No. I don't know, Like a v neck or oh, something? Oh, yeah. Like that. Just wear the v neck and put these on.
0: These glasses? They didn't have lenses on them. Trust me. Why?
2: Yeah, you look like Carl Lentz. What? Well, okay.
0: Okay, you know what? Not going here.
2: Well, he's an attractive man. We're going
0: to brunch.
1: Don't you feel like that sometimes that you're trying to find a church and you're on vacation and you just don't even know where to start and you're afraid to walk in the door like jehovah's witnesses do you knock first i don't know i've never been to one have you ever considered that to jesus the sole purpose of his family vacation was to worship his father jesus's family would have pilgrimaged to jerusalem at least annually for festivals and we know this from scripture because the gospel of luke tells us that it says now his parents went to jerusalem every year at the feast of the passover And when he was 12 years old, they went up according to custom. When the feast was ended, as they were returning, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents did not know it. But supposing him to be in the group, they went a day's journey, but then they began to search for him among their relatives and acquaintances. And when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem searching for him. After three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. And when his parents saw him they were astonished and his mother said to them son why have you treated us so behold your father and i have been searching for you in great distress take a step back and let's look at a quick timeline of jesus's life to make sure we understand what's happening in the first verse of the passage here um, it's the, now his parents went to jerusalem every year at the feast of the passover so what does that mean so in jesus's early life we know from the bible we know that Um, His parents were from Nazareth, which was up in Galilee. That's way up here. Jerusalem is down here. And in between, we have this area called Samaria. You've probably heard of Samaria, the Samaritan woman, the good Samaritan. They didn't go through Samaria. That would be the direct route, right? Straight down. But they didn't do that. They went around Samaria because the people in Samaria were hostile to the Jews. So they went around. We're thinking it was probably around 80, 90 miles that they actually walked back and forth. And so we know that... Um, when Mary and Joseph were engaged to be married, an angel of the Lord appeared to each of them separately and told them that Mary was going to have a baby and Joseph should still marry her. Then Caesar Augustus decided everybody needed to be counted in a census. So that sent Joseph back to his family city of Bethlehem with a pregnant Mary. The journey from Nazareth um, in Galilee to Bethlehem in Judea Um, would have taken like like four to five days of walking to go around Samaria as they circumvented it. So contrary to our traditional stories from Christmas, the Bible does not mention them taking a donkey to get there. And people really didn't ride donkeys anyway. They were like pack animals. Um, But if they had used one, it would have added another three to five days to the journey um, because donkeys are stubborn and they pick their own pace. And if they don't want to go, they're not going anywhere. So people generally just didn't travel with donkeys, they threw their stuff in a pack. It's not like they're packing for their cruise, so don't worry, it was just a pack and some food and off they went for their four days. Um, In addition, our stories don't really line up with the context of the Bible and Jesus being born in a barn or a cave on the night of the arrival in Bethlehem. Um, Jesus likely was born several days after their arrival um, and it was in the stable area of the home of one of Jesus' extended family members, surrounded by the women of Joseph's family and the village midwife. Um, Mary and Joseph would not have sought out accommodations at, like, a commercial inn. There was no, like, Holiday Inn Express that they went to or anything with a free breakfast. They would have gone to Joseph's family. They would be staying with Joseph's family. And most of the houses in that time, in that place, had three rooms, basically. The first room was the main room that the family lived in. It was the room that the family ate and slept and cooked and did everything in together in one room. Then there was another room, usually up above or to the side, that was a guest room. And that idea of having the guest room was because the culture was so hospitable, you always welcomed people. There was no question. If somebody knocked on your door, you just welcomed them and you took them in. And so you would always have a guest room for your guests to stay in. And then the third room of the home would be down a couple of steps from the main living room, separated by most of a wall and it would be a stable area. There would be a door to the outside from there. And at night, you would bring your animals in to keep them safe, your sheep, your cow, goat, whoever, whatever you had, and then they would also help to heat the house in the wintertime because animals tend to be very warm. So they would give off heat to keep you warmer. But they would be in a part of the home, and so it was likely in that part of the home that Jesus, and Mary, or Jesus was born and Mary and Joseph were in. The manger he was laid in would have been cleaned out from the food and the water and everything from the animals, and they would have put fresh straw in there, and they would have been wrapped in the swaddling clothes there. Um, all of that to say, the sense of community supporting Mary and Joseph would have been significant. They would not have been alone. There would have been no question of like Mary being alone at the birth, which is sometimes reported in a story. She's in a cave by herself. No. She was supported by the family and the community because the community was everything to them. Um, for cultural context, too, we have to remember that it would have been really significantly shameful to the town if they had turned Joseph and Mary away because Joseph was of the line of King David, and he could recite back his family history, and they would not have turned him away. That would have been a really bad thing for them to do. That, that culture of the hospi- hospitality was so important to them. Um, They would just been really welcoming particularly because of joseph's status and because mary was nearing the end of her pregnancy they would not have turned her away so then when jesus was eight days old he was circumcised in bethlehem where it appears mary and joseph stayed for um, the rest of the period of mary's purification and then they went to jerusalem so we have nazareth up here in galilee they went down to bethlehem to be counted and then they're going to swing up here to jerusalem for the dedication so all the firstborn boys were always dedicated to the Lord. And so they took him, they took baby Jesus to the temple in Jerusalem to to dedicate him to the Lord. Um, So that's what their tradition required. And then after this, it seemed like they returned to Bethlehem for the next two years, um, where they raised Joseph, or excuse me, Mary and Joseph raised Jesus as he was a toddler. Um, And then it was two years after he was born that the Magi, the three wise men, made their way from the east, likely Arabia, to follow the star, and they go to Jerusalem, and they find King Herod, and King Herod's like, "Mm, yeah, king of the Jews, no, I don't want to have anything to do with this, and then they go, and they find the baby Jesus, who's now like two years old. He's not in the crash scene, a baby. He's like two years old, and then after that, they return via a different route. They don't tell King Herod about him, but King Herod has a massacre in Bethlehem of all the children under the age of two. After Joseph receives a vision, um, an angel of the Lord appearing to him, telling him to flee to Egypt. So after they've been about two years in Bethlehem, they flee to Egypt, where they stay until Jesus is about four or five years old. They come back via this route around here, around this part, by the Great great Sea, the Mediterranean Sea. They come around this way, and then back to Nazareth. So they began to live their quiet life in Nazareth. And then we read in this passage um, in Luke that they travel to Jerusalem every year for the festival of Passover. That means by the time we get to this passage when Jesus is 12 years old, he has taken this road at least seven or eight times, if not more. And when you're learning your way someplace, how many times does it take you to get there without using your GPS? You know, the first time, GPS required, right? Second time, oh, I can kind of get the highways, right? Third time, got the side streets. Fourth time, hopefully, you're, you're getting pretty close to getting it, um, especially if you're going there consistently. They're going here multiple times per year sometimes. So we should be able to start seeing landmarks and start getting there, even as a young child. I mean, nowadays, we've got, like, you know, the TV movie thing going on in the car. You can ask our poor children. We don't do that. We play things like the backwards alphabet game. Who can find a Z, Y, X go backwards in the alphabet? How many different license plates can we find? Things to keep them occupied, things to keep them looking, because we need to know where we are. It's really important. From the book of Exodus... We know that the Jewish males were required to appear before the Lord three times per year. So we can't study the New Testament without studying the Old Testament. We can't study the Old Testament without studying the New Testament. They're completely intertwined. This is God's word all pulled together. So we have from the book of Exodus, it says, three times in the year you shall keep a feast for me. This is God speaking, and Moses is the scribe. You shall keep the feast of unleavened bread. As I commanded you, you shall eat unleavened bread for seven days at the appointed time in the month of Abib, for in it you came out of Egypt. None shall appear before me empty handed. You shall keep the feast of harvest, of the first first fruits of your labor, of what you sown in the field. You shall keep the feast of ingathering at the end of the year when you gather in from the fields the fruit of your labor. Three times in the year shall all your males appear before the Lord God." The three festivals the Jewish males would have gone to Jerusalem were for the festival of Passover, the Feast of Weeks, and the Feast of Tabernacles. Passover is celebrated in March or April as a remembrance of the flight from Egypt and is usually celebrated about the same time as Christians celebrate Easter. Um, Within the Passover festival is the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Then the Feast of Weeks, or Pentecost, is celebrated in May or June. It's seven weeks or 50 days after Passover. We celebrate it as 50 days after Easter, right, as we have Pentecost. Um, And that, for them, is a celebration to commemorate the giving of the law at Mount Sinai, And includes a day of first fruits for the wheat harvest of what was sown in the field sometimes if it was a long journey from where they were coming from because they're coming from all over um, all of the jewish people were coming from all over the place um, they would stay between those two festivals so it would be like you get to go for like two months to your cousins and just hang at their house you know a good time right then finally the feast of tabernacles is also known as the feast of booths or feast of tents because they constructed tents to live in um, for this festival. It was a big celebration, longest festival in the Jewish calendar, um, lasted for eight days in the early fall, usually September, October, and as a time to celebrate the last year's harvest, a commemoration of the 40 years the Israelites spent wandering in the wilderness. So every year they're reminding themselves of these things, these three major things every year. We're asking you to go to Jerusalem, keep your culture, keep things going, understand them, and it becomes very ritualistic to them. So as a devout Jewish male, Joseph would have been making the trek to Jerusalem three times per year, possibly taking Jesus and his other sons with him as they got older, if the whole family didn't go together, and they may have. We know from scripture that Jesus had siblings because we read it in the Gospels. It says, is not this the carpenter's son? So Joseph's son, right? Is this not, and is not his mother called Mary? And are not his brothers James and Joseph and Simon and Judas? And are not all his sisters with us? Now, none of these listed here—James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas—are any of the apostles that we study. The twelve, like the twelve apostles, they're not the same. Same names. I don't know what happened with poor Simon. Like, why did he get an S name? Everybody else, all the boys have J names. I don't know what happened with that. Um, I don't know if the girls were S's and then they were J's, or you know. But the girls, why? Why did the girls never get names? I don't know. And the daughters and the sisters, I don't know. Um, But James and Judas are actually familiar to us because they are. Um, authors, believed to be authors, of letters in the New Testament, the letter of James and the letter of Jude, were believed to have been written by two of Jesus' brothers. So with such a large family, Mary and Joseph's attention would not have been on their firstborn son. So if we think if Jesus is 12, it's very possible they could have had four, five, six, seven other kids by that point in time, right? Um, it, It would have been expected of Jesus that he was where he was supposed to be, doing what he was supposed to be doing, as they're caravanning back and forth, um, and then as the time that they're in Jerusalem. So Jesus was also 12. He was getting ready to embark in manhood in the Jewish culture. His parents, Mary and Joseph, would have been getting ready to release him into the world to begin training as an apprentice for a trade, likely as Joseph's son, Joseph was a carpenter, in the trade of carpentry. Um, Jewish dic- tradition dictates that fathers teach their trade to their sons. It's perpetuated through the families in that way. Um, and that's how they get, to, they get a trade, and they, they work in that trade. We know from Jewish culture that when a boy turns 13, he has his bar mitzvah ceremony, and it marks the time when he is now recognized as a man. Since Jesus was 12 years old, this particular Passover, this was his last Passover before adulthood. From Nazareth, to Jerusalem, if it was... 75 to 90 miles one way, depending on how much of Samaria you are circumventing. Um, and a journey that takes like four to five days. Think of it as a road trip across the U.S., right? It's mostly uphill along roads, through fields and sometimes rocky terrain. And it's barely likely that they were traveling with Joseph's extended family um, in, in a large caravan. Everybody's going to the same place at the same time, right? We all just go together. So think of it like your huge family gathering. Your whole extended family is going to the same place, and you have your little caravan of minivans down the highway, right? It's gonna be a good time. Now we have like phones, we talk to each other, there's no like light signals going on. After traveling the way, that way a few times a year, for many years, you get to know the route. And Jesus likely would have been hanging out with his cousins and his friends and his acquaintances, not necessarily his parents. And then you have to realize, too, the closer that they got to Jerusalem as they're traveling in, the more and more people are joining them. The slower the trek is going because there's more and more people on the same road trying to get to the same place. Jesus would have been known by his family and friends in the caravan, and there would have been a general sense of watchfulness over the entire group. So, just like you're traveling with your family, and kind of you've got like all the cousins, like all of them together, and there's like the parents. Like a couple of them are watching, right? And then a couple are over here at the food. and a couple are over here talking, but there's kind of a watchfulness in general that nobody's gonna do anything crazy. Same kind of a concept. It's not you necessarily watching your children, it's everybody watching everybody else's. Oh yeah, and by the way, everybody would've known who you were and who you belonged to if you were causing trouble, right? Easy enough to find out who mom and dad are. So in the Middle East at this time, a person's identity would've been in their faith before anything else. So Jesus as an individual would've been identified as Jewish before anything else. Then his family was identified. And in this case, he was identified by Joseph's family. So he would have been from the son of Joseph, from the line of King David, from the tribe of Judah. It would have gone all the way back, and that's how he would have been known. Then the community that he was known, known as. So he would have been known as a Nazarene from Galilee. So all these different identifying markers are what were used for the people who were there. So the entire community took a hand in raising their children and supporting them, and they were all extremely hospitable. Um, They were welcoming and encouraging, and community was instilled, that sense of community was instilled in each and every individual. Um, Unfortunately, today, our culture has moved away from the definition of faith as our identity. Um, So in my case, I might be referred to as Dave's wife, do you know Alice, Dave's wife? Or do you know Alice, Scarlett and Oliver's mom? Or professionally, they would say, Alice is a physical therapist because that's what I am, that's what I do, but is that my true identity? I would not necessarily be identified primarily as a Christian, other than here most likely. So the question is how are you identified and how do you want to be identified? So let's look back at this passage from Luke again Um, to go through it to refresh ourselves. Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up according to custom. So every year they're doing this, right? According to custom, it's what they do. And when the feast was ended, as they were returning, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents did not know it, but, but supposing him to be in the group, they went a day's journey. But then they began to search for him amongst their relatives and acquaintances. And when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem searching for him. After three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us so? Behold, your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. Three days later, they find him. Because this is their vacation, right? They're trekking into Jerusalem, and then they're going back again. But let's talk about the child-rearing piece of this too. We have to give our children freedom within healthy and safe boundaries. When Mary and Joseph didn't see Jesus with his younger siblings later that first day as they're leaving Jerusalem, they probably really weren't that worried. He was likely with cousins or friends. But after that night, when they're in their camp and they're camping by the side of the road, and they're like, huh, where's Jesus? And nobody can find him. The next morning they're like, we're heading back to Jerusalem. So they're swimming now upstream against everybody who's leaving Jerusalem to go back into Jerusalem to find him. It took them a day of searching before finding him in the temple. So they came out one day, they went back a second day, they searched for a day, they find him that third day. Can you imagine the anxiety that Mary and Joseph must have been feeling when searching for Jesus? They didn't have an Apple watch with a GPS on it, they couldn't find him, they didn't know where he was. All they had was the conversation with the people who they knew Right to be able to try and find, have you seen Jesus? Have you seen Jesus? Have you seen Jesus? And they're searching for him. Um, can you imagine their relief at finding him? <sighs> okay, he's here, he's safe. And then can you imagine their disbelief when they find him in the temple, sitting among the rabbis, discussing Mosaic law, and he's not even considered an adult in their culture yet. While we usually study the Gospels to learn about Jesus' earthly ministry, we need to remember that he too was a child at one point. He too had an earthly mother and father who loved him and who guided him through childhood. Yet they also gave him the freedom to make mistakes. They gave him the freedom to learn from his experiences and to grow into a responsible adult. They also formed his identity as a Jewish male, then within his family, and then within the greater community. The passage further goes on to say, then he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was obedient to them. His mother kept all these things in her heart, and Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and with people. So after that, he was like reprimanded, right? And so he didn't really stray too far out. He was obedient to them. It's believed that after Jesus' death and resurrection, because Luke was not a firsthand witness to the events of Jesus' life, that he interviewed Mary and he found these things. And that's why it says... His mother kept all these things in, their heart, in her heart. There are things in the, the Gospel of Luke in this first part that you'll find over and over again, that Mary treasured things in her heart. She held things in her heart. So we believe that Luke interviewed her and had this as a firsthand account of what happened. So when we have all of this, we say, Jesus continued to learn and grow under the direction of Mary and Joseph. He grew into a man, likely learning the trade of carpentry from Joseph and how to care for his siblings and animals um, and to have that gift of hospitality. As an adult, he too would have traveled three times a year to Jerusalem for the feasts that were required of Jewish males. He would have been going. Once he turned 13, he would have been with Joseph three times a year for sure for those feasts and festivals. Um, so he was doing that, making himself known until it was time for his earthly ministry to begin. Jesus was a humble man from humble origins and with a simple life, yet he participated in the rituals of his culture perpetuating the sense of community um, and its importance in his life. He did not miss an opportunity, though, to worship his father. Don't miss that. He didn't miss the opportunity. So the reality is that in the United States, and almost any part of the world, not quite every, but most, you can find a church to attend on Sundays. From small churches to mega churches and everything in between, we have opportunities to worship when we're on vacation. You can go down the streets and search and be like okay no we're not going to go to that church we're not going to go to that church we're not going to go to that church but you can find some place to worship so last summer we took a family vacation we went to hershey pennsylvania we went to new york city and we went to corning new york um, we had a great time we made a lot of fun memories trying to teach Scarlett how to drive a little early didn't work very well um when we're in hershey we stayed at the hershey lodge we visited hershey park and we learned all about chocolate By the way, they have shampoo and lotion that smells like chocolate. I highly recommend it. It's amazing. Um, And it was just, everything is chocolate. It was just wonderful. So we did that. We had a great time. We went to New York City. Um, We took the kids on the USS Intrepid. We spent a a couple days in Manhattan. We visited with Dave's nephew and his two sons and his wife. We had a great time with them. We learned all about the New York City subway, which is a totally different experience. It was awesome, good for the kids, learning experience. But we took advantage over the weekend that we were there to go to church, and we worshiped on Sunday twice. Two different churches, two totally different experiences. In the morning, we went to um, Hillsong, New York City, and had that amazing kind of wild ride mega church experience. Um, And then in the evening, we attended Redeemer Presbyterian Church at the downtown campus, which is held um, at the Salvation Army headquarters that is in Manhattan, in lower Manhattan. you might recognize the names. So Hillsong is this multinational megachurch. It's based out of Sydney, Australia. And then Redeemer is Tim Keller's church, who you might recognize as the name that Pastor Bob uses sometimes to quote in his sermons. Um, very traditional Presbyterian church, but much bigger than ours. It was really a great experience. So there were two drastically different experiences to t- attend in the same day. So at Hillsong, we had to pass through metal detectors to enter at Redeemer, only my purse was searched. No metal detectors. There was also a difference in the type of music played, the style of worship, and the way the sermon was delivered. However, there were some really significant similarities, too. In both places, we were surrounded by people, both believers and those seeking and asking questions about faith, about God, about Jesus Christ. At both places, at both services, we were able to experience the Lord's Supper done differently but the Lord's Supper done both places Hillsong thousands of people taking communion at the same time wild and amazing and cool and incredible all at the same time and the scripture passage used by both pastors that day was from Romans chapter 12 two churches two interpretations same passage the sermons themselves were different the focus of each was different but both had an underlying theme of community and its importance in our lives to be active in a faith community, worshiping together, honoring God, and learning and growing in our faith. So the question is, how are you identified? Is that how you truly want to be identified, or do you need to make some changes to live the life that God has asked of you so that you will someday forever be on vacation with Jesus Christ in heaven, worshiping the one true Father? Let's pray. Lord, I just thank you so much for who you are and for the gifts that you have given to us and the abilities that we have to serve you. And I just thank you for this opportunity to worship you. And I pray, Lord, as we end today, that you lead us and guide us through this week ahead. Show us how to serve you. Show us how to honor you in all that we do. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.